What a day for Seahawks fans, football fans, fans of the NFL. Not a great day for the conspiracy theorists, those who are part of the growing segment of the fan base that believe the NFL is rigged. Because if it was, then the intended outcome tonight would have been Packers in the playoffs, right? That's what everybody thought the NFL wanted. That's why they scheduled that game for Sunday Night Football, which was going to give the Seahawks a competitive disadvantage because the Lions would just roll over and die if they were eliminated. Bullshit. I said it on the show yesterday. I've been saying it all week to those that would listen. Uh, The Lions are a good football team, and they're going to be fun to watch as they continue to grow the next couple of years. And they were not going to lay down and die. Anyone who thought that going into tonight's game uh, hasn't been paying attention to Dan Campbell and what's been going on there in Detroit. Uh, That's a rivalry game. That's a game that for their um, growth and their progress, uh, they want to knock off the Packers no matter what. And they came out and played like it on a cold night in Lambeau Field. And the Detroit Lions... Uh, upset the Green Bay Packers tonight. And in doing so, uh, the Seattle Seahawks are a playoff team. Uh, Seahawks do their job today. They beat the Rams 19 to 16 uh, in overtime. And I also said on the show, full disclosure and full accountability that I, that I thought they should, they should handle the Rams pretty easily. And that those of you who were wringing your hands over the fact that you thought the Rams were going to be, uh, annoyingly competitive in this game and, and, um, Uh, You were right. You were right. This was one of the strangest games I've ever seen. Uh, It it started with a Geno Smith's first pass of the day being intercepted by Jalen Ramsey, who played a uh, hell of a football game. Uh, Jalen Ramsey may be an ass, but he's a great football player. Um, He completely shut down DK Metcalf today. Although I don't know how much of that was on Metcalf. It just, it just seemed like Geno was really hesitant to throw his way after that first ball. Um, just a couple of brief things about the game itself, because then we're going to talk about the big picture. Um, maybe Geno's roughest game of the year, certainly his most um, helter-skelter, Jekyll and Hyde game of the year. Uh, two extremely bad picks, both to Jalen Ramsey, balls that should not have been thrown. Um, and he had a couple others that should have been picked, including one that looked like it was picked and then fumbled back to Seattle. Um, but it was not ruled a catch. Gino was rough today. But, but here's the thing, and it kind of summed up the whole the game as a whole. Whichever side of the argument you land when it comes to Geno Smith. And by that, I mean, do you think he's the answer and the Seahawks should use all this additional gra- ja- draft capital, excuse me, that they have from the Denver Broncos this year, the extra high second round pick, the extra high first round pick, and we'll get to those in a little bit, and just fortify the defense, fill some holes, improve the interior offensive line, add another weapon on the outside, stick with Geno Smith and just hit the ground running next year. Or if you fall on the side of, Hey, top five draft picks in the NFL don't come along very often. Might not come along for a long time. John Schneider's never had an opportunity to draft a quarterback this high. There's a couple guys at the top of the draft that scouts think that you can build a team around. Whichever side of the argument there, and that's a debate we're going to talk about over and over and over again over the next few months. 
you had fuel for your fire today. You had data points that you could add to your argument today. Gino at times was absolutely terrible today. Gino Smith also showed why he's an unusual player and not just another journeyman quarterback. The one touchdown drive the Seahawks had when they needed to have it, he was spectacular. Two incredible throws down the middle of the field. One of them to DK Metcalf on a ball that was just threaded through a needle and thrown with so much authority. And and uh, he's made some throws this year where I've said this before, but not a throw that a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL would make or attempt, let alone complete. And then finishes it off with uh, about as pretty a pass as you could ever see for a long touchdown to Tyler Lockett today. Um, outside of that, it was just kind of a slugfest of a game. Um, it felt like one of those games that the Seahawks were physically dominating and they were clearly the better team. As I said, they were going into the game, but they just couldn't get out of their own way. And it was, they, they didn't self-destruct with a lot of penalties and, you know, they had the two turnovers. Uh, Jason Myers missed what would have been a game winning field goal near the end of the year, only his third miss of the year. When they had to make plays, they made them. It just felt like one of those games that, that they were just kind of running in quicksand. It was raining pretty hard in the first half. Second half was windy, but it, uh, it was dry. Weather really wasn't a factor. It's a bizarre game. If I had done a reaction show immediately after the game, um, there might have been some profanity involved. Um, especially if they had lost, obviously. But they pulled it out. And, and, and I think looking back on it now a few hours later, it's look, it's an incomplete roster and it's a young roster. And they haven't played in these types of games before, but at the end of the day, when we talked two weeks ago, not everybody was sure the Seahawks could win the last two to put themselves in position to make the playoffs. But they did. They beat the Jets convincingly. And they did what they had to do today to beat a motivated opponent. I think the Rams were motivated in much the same way the Lions were. In what there's speculation, it could be Sean McVay's last game as coach of the Rams. Uh, a team that's down some of their big dogs, you know, a bunch of their best players were out of that game. Guys trying to prove themselves and just go into Seattle and knock off the rival. Uh, but the Seahawks did what they needed to do. And then they turned it over to Sunday night football and they had to sit back and watch. And that Lions team hung with the Packers blow for blow throughout that game. Their defense, w- defense which uh, the first half of the season was shredded, Um really showed there's a lot of young talent on that side of the ball. And I think it's important to know, watch what the lions did this year and the progress they made because we very well may see a similar scenario here in Seattle next year where the emphasis this off season is going to be primarily on improving that defense. And almost all of that is going to have to come through the draft We're going to talk to John Gilbert from Field Goals about salary cap here as soon as the season's over, which will now be at least another week. And and some of you might be disappointed to know there's not a lot of salary cap room there available to go out and make a big splash signing uh, or trade for a defensive player. You're you're going to build through this draft. And, And when you put young players on the field, they make young mistakes. We saw it today on both sides of the football. Green Bay has some young guys playing key roles on defense too. 
Um, untimely penalties, poor decision-making, um, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, blown assignments. But that team started to come together. You saw first half of the season, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, top three pick, had some flashes, but didn't look like a dominant player. Sure did the last month. And even guys like John Kaminsky, if you remember a couple of years ago when he was coming out as a small school uh, late round prospect, um, he was a guy that I liked and, and had mocked a bunch of times. Uh, he made some plays today. Um, Detroit's got some players. And they've that, that mentality that Dan Campbell brings that honestly, I remember his first press conference and he was talking about you know, jumping in front of trucks or whatever. It seems contrived and cheesy. Uh, his team plays like he talks. And Jared Goff, uh, I, I'm not, I hesitate to say he's playing the best football of his career. He took a team to the Super Bowl, but I think uh, much like Sean McVay did his first couple of years in the league, they've, they've got the right pieces around him. They support him well. And Ben Johnson is just a beautiful play caller, fun to watch, probably going to be a hot name on the head coaching interview cycle this offseason. Um, they run the football incredibly well. Uh, there was a key moment in today's game where the Seahawks had first and goal inside the three, tried running it uh, three times in a row, couldn't get anywhere. Had to settle for a field goal from inside the three um, to, I believe at the time, tied it. Uh, Detroit gets inside the three and Jamal Williams walks into the end zone. There's such... They're such a physical team up front. And in some ways, believe it or not, uh, they look like the kind of football team I think Pete Carroll would like to be coaching. And when he talked and he started talking in earnest about six weeks ago about how things just weren't good enough in the trenches, we saw it today. That's where the Seahawks get beat is in the trenches. Uh, and we saw that's, that's really how the Detroit Lions were able to beat the Packers today. Beat them up front on offense. And, uh, and made an impact defensively up front as well. So the Seahawks make it as the seventh seed in the NFC. And what does that earn them? Well, they get to play the two seed. <laughs> the Eagles get a bye. They're the number one seed in the NFC. And the Seahawks travel for a three-peat, uh, a three-union, a three-match. Uh, they, the, they play the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. And it's one of the Saturday games bummer um they will play saturday it's a 135 pacific time kickoff so a short turnaround they got to get right back to work no major injuries from the game today in fact a couple guys came back uh, abe lucas was able to start and go the entire way at, at right tackle today that was good news after the knee injury of a couple of weeks ago kenneth walker looked fully healthy i think for the first time since he hurt his ankle to me um, Tyler Lockett, we forget all about his hand injury and he didn't seem affected by the shin injury. He looked healthy. DJ Dallas had to leave the game today. Um, that could be a tough one for the Seahawks. Tariq Woolen had to leave for a couple of plays. He, he twisted his ankle, but came back and finished. That's good news. A um, couple of observations about the game today. It seems like Quandre Diggs, the last month of the season has looked more like himself. And it's been speculated. The the leg injury that he suffered late last year was so severe. At the time, there, some of us were speculating that maybe it was, it was going to threaten a good portion of the 2022 season. He was able to come back in time for opening day. But I heard someone this week say that they thought it was similar 
to the severity of the leg injury Tyler Lockett suffered. Um, the year he broke his leg. Was that 2020? And uh, he wasn't really himself until the season after he came back. Maybe if they choose to hang on to him. Uh, Quandre Diggs is, is fully healthy now and, and we'll see him get off to a better start next year. Had an interception today. Although, <laughs> you know, the interception he had against the Jets where he immediately held the ball up and Pete Carroll gave him some, some guff after the game. This was late when the Rams were were looking like they were, they were trying to drive down and put themselves in a position to win the football game. And it looked like uh, Baker Mayfield had a guy wide open. I think it was Van Jefferson running a, a oh, a deep out. And uh, Diggs just made up a tremendous amount of ground and intercepted the ball and then immediately kind of held the ball out, almost like you would react if you were clinching a football game. Like if if you were if you had the lead, there's a minute left, and you know by picking that ball off, you get to run the clock out and you win the game. When and I, I came home and watched the replay a few times, it sure looked to me, and it, it looked to my buddy Ken, who I took to the game with me, like if he had stopped with the showboating and trying to show the ball and just tucked it and made a cut, he could have cut up field and gained some pretty significant yardage. Some weird decisions from Quandre, but I thought he played a good game. And I'll tell you what, I think the Seahawks. Ryan Neal was out today. He's been such a big part of what they've done the last six weeks. Jonathan Abram off the scrap heap may have been a find. And this is a game that I'm going to want to go back and look at again, but he seems to be around the football, made some plays on the ball. He's hitting guys. His reputation is someone who was um, strong in the run game, hit, hit, but wasn't a good tackler. I don't know. He seemed to pick up the scheme quickly. He's a guy that's former first round pick, still young. Really athletic, good size. Um, Jonathan Abram may have been a very, very nice little low-cost uh, find for the Seahawks and be interesting to see if they in, if they bring him back next year um, for some depth or, or potentially a starting role. He, he started the last two games in Ryan Neal's plays. Um, just a couple of numbers from today. Gino, 19 out of 31 for 213 yards, one touchdown, the one to lock it, the two picks, uh, just a 65.7 passer rating today. Kenneth Walker, his fifth 100-yard game, uh, only the second rookie ever to do that, I believe, other than Kurt Warner, 29 carries. Seahawks really stuck with the running game today for 114 yards, an average of 3.9 per carry. Metcalf, just three catches for 40 yards. Lockett, four for 54 in the touchdown. Uh, defense, I thought, played pretty well overall, and considering they were given a short field a couple of times, Rams had a couple explosive plays that got them in field goal range, but they held Mayfield to 147 yards passing. Um, Cam Akers had 104 yards on 21 carries. Um, I thought the defense continued to show some of the improvement that we saw in the second half of that Kansas City game carried over into the New York game. Um, I looked at some final season stats just to see where the Seahawks uh, compared in a few key areas compared to their opponents. Total first downs, almost dead heat, 346 to 347. Total yards, 59.76, and they gave up 61.49. Not a huge difference. Passing yards, they outpassed their opponents, 4,282 yards to 3,595. Rushing yards, we knew this would be a deficit. 2042 to 2554 outgained on the ground by 500 yards. Um, 
They got to the quarterback 46 times, gave up 45 sacks. Their turnover ratio plus two. Turnovers were in it, were a storyline early in the season, but had not been as significant in the last month or so. Uh, just some season numbers. Geno ends up just a tick below 70% completions, 69.8 for 4,282 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns, or uh, yeah, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Keep in mind, this is a 17th game. Uh, Kenneth Walker does go over 1,000 yards, 1,050, an average of 4.6 per rush, nine touchdowns for the rookie. DK had 90 catches this year for just over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. Tyler, 84 catches, just over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. Defensively, Uchenna Nwosu, what a, what a free agent find he was, nine sacks to lead the way. Daryl Taylor really came on strong the last month, had another sack today, or a half a sack. Uh, finished with eight and a half. And, uh, of course, the rookie cornerback, fifth-round draft pick, Tariq Woolen, leads the team with six interceptions. So what does this mean? The Seahawks are a playoff team. And I, there's going to be people that say they're not a playoff team. They're not good enough to be a playoff team. But somebody said, yeah, I saw this on Twitter this week. A playoff team would have beat the Raiders and the Panthers. Okay. A Super Bowl contender, you can go back and you can, you can cherry pick the schedule. But they're a playoff team because they're in the playoffs. <laughs> That's how that works. Um, and it's just, look, how, how could anyone look at what the Seahawks did this season and not be thrilled with it? How many of us at the beginning of this season thought this team would win nine games or even sniff the playoffs? How many of us thought Geno Smith would take every snap as the quarterback, throw for 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns, and make the Pro Bowl? How many of us thought that would happen? They win nine games. Should they have won 11? Yeah. Could they have won more than that? Yeah. You can make an argument they could have won the, the Buccaneers game. New Orleans, they could have been more competitive. Um, but I don't see any negatives coming out of this season. Whatever happens on Saturday. Are they going to beat the 49ers? It's not likely. 49ers have maybe the best defense in the NFC and lots of weapons on offense and found a guy as their third-string quarterback that, that's just good enough to operate that offense efficiently. But when teams play each other three times, we've seen some crazy things happen. It is tough to beat a team three times in this league. We'll see. We've never seen Brock Purdy lead an offense in the playoffs. We've seen Kyle Shanahan offenses have some issues in the postseason. We'll get into that in more detail later in the week. We have something else to talk about. <laughs> Not everything went great today. And, and for a while, there was a lot of doomsday sentiment out there during the course of the game when it looked like things weren't going well on the field and the Seahawks were not going to win. And also nothing went their way today in regards to draft pick uh, standing. The Chargers played all their starters and still lost to the Denver Broncos. The Arizona Cardinals just had nothing to even try to compete against the 49ers today. So as a result, the Cardinals lose. The Broncos win, and the Seahawks will have the fifth pick 
in the first round, courtesy of the Denver Broncos. Right now, their own native pick sits at 20. If they had lost, according to Michael Thompson, they would have had the 17th pick. Um, now, of course, it'll depend on seeding. If they lose in the first round, they'll probably stick at 20. Um, I haven't crunched those numbers, but that's about where they're going to draft. Five and 20, five and 21. Is it disappointing in the moment? Yeah, because we've sat in that two or three spot for about the last six weeks. And at two or three, you know, we've talked about this a lot. You're guaranteed one of the two defensive players that seem to be a consensus. Everyone loves these guys. These are franchise cornerstone type players in defensive tackle Jalen Carter and edge outside linebacker Will Anderson. At five, you're probably not going to get one of those guys. It's too early to say that. You never know what's going to happen. You look at the teams at the top of that draft, go look at it right now. We're talking about Indy. We're talking about Houston. We're talking about Carolina, um, you know, potentially being a team looking to trade up and some others. And we'll get into those details later. Um, the Seahawks still could be, first of all, top five is always a great place to be, but they could be in really, really prime position as far as leveraging that pick if they want to move down and add more assets. Because it's such a thin quarterback draft that teams that want one of these guys, and we're talking about Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, that's it. That's it. The only potential day two guy that might look like an NFL starter is Hendon Hooker, and he's coming off an ACL injury and is probably going to have to be on IR all next year. And he's an older-aged prospect anyway. He'll be 25, I think, when the draft happens. That's it. It's an unusual year. There's three, potentially four guys that are seen as potential franchise quarterbacks, and the drop-off is severe, and there's no depth in this class. And it's because of NLI and a lot of guys that I liked that might have been potential day two or day three picks, guys like Sam Hartman, Grayson McCall, they decided to stay in school. It's not as big a financial risk to do that now as it used to be. And some of those guys are looking for better situations and, and, um, and, and want to position themselves better for the, for, for the draft in the future. So the Seahawks could be in a good position to leverage that pick or to end up getting one of the top defensive players if those teams decide they want to jump up and fight over the quarterbacks. But when you're sitting at five, and it's a rare gift handed to us by Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, and the Denver Broncos. Uh, you don't get those opportunities very often. John Schneider's never had that opportunity. He's fallen in love with some big-time quarterbacks during his career and not had a shot at them. What if they're one of those teams looking at quarterback? Um, so lots and lots and lots of interesting conversation. But at the end of the day, the Seahawks are going to end up with three of the top 35, 36 picks in the draft. Four of the top 56. That's a big deal when you look at this roster. The opportunity is there to build through the draft and, and address some needs and add some dynamic impact players. So it's not what we wanted. <laughs> it's not the third pick, uh, but it is a top five pick. Uh, and by the way, if you weren't paying attention today, the Houston Texans, after hanging on to the first pick in the draft, 
almost the entire year lost that today because they decided to win <laughs> and uh, the bears lost. So the bears have the first pick and, uh, and Lovey Smith got fired today, maybe because he won that game. So two years in a row, the Houston Texans have uh, fired their head coach after one season. Sometimes there's a reason and the reasons are obvious why some teams win and others don't lots and lots of questions to get to in this off season. Uh, how do you feel about Pete Carroll? Once the season's over, he sure wasn't talking today like a guy that was even thinking about stepping away after the game. He was talking about regardless of the outcome of the game tonight, you saw the improvement we made. He's excited about the future and this roster. Um, and then obviously just before I hit record here, saw an interview he was doing with Fox. Um, now that they know they're in the playoffs and how fired up he is. And it'll be interesting to see how well they get these guys uh, ready to play and what the game plan looks like. Um, not going to dwell too much on this. Didn't love again. Wasn't crazy about some things that Shane Waldron did today. Um, but I also feel like if I went back and looked at it, I might like the game plan a little bit better than I thought. Again, they stuck with the run, a lot of inside runs. Um, uh, I thought that uh, early in the game, I mentioned uh, to my buddy that I felt like the, the Seahawks had become um, more hesitant to take shots downfield. And then literally on the next drive was the one where Gino took him right down the field with uh, two deep seam routes and then, and then the long ball to lock it. I think that's a part of the offense that's been missing. And I think it's something that they can't ignore. I think maybe this team found themselves in a position they weren't expecting to be in and didn't quite feel comfortable with it. Maybe got a little tight. Maybe got a little too careful and kind of forgot what got them to the point that they were at when they were seven and four and looking like they had a shot to maybe, maybe win the division. Um, so as, as weird and uncomfortable as that game was at times, here we sit at the end of the day, the Seahawks are in the playoffs. Um, it's a fun day of football. Tomorrow we get the national championship game. Make sure and watch that. You're going to see a lot of players on that team. You're going to see a lot of players on that field that the Seahawks are going to be scouting really heavily over the next few months. And I can almost guarantee you, you're going to see at least one or two players from that game will be on the Seahawks roster next year. Uh, there's some fun, fun players to watch in that game. Um, but we get to get ready for a playoff game. Again, Saturday, 135 in Santa Clara against the 49ers. The seventh-seeded Seahawks with nothing. I just hope they go down there and play loose, have fun, nothing to lose. The 49ers are the team with everything to lose. They don't want to be tied. I saw a 49er fan on Twitter tonight say he would much rather play Aaron Rodgers in the first round than the Seahawks because it's hard to beat a team three times and the Seahawks would have nothing to lose and they know the opponent well. We shall see. Uh, Dana will be back with the show in a couple of days. I'll be back to preview the playoff game later in the week. Enjoy this one. We'll analyze the hell out of it over the next six days, and then we'll see what happens after that. I am Dan Vienz. You can follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Of course, follow at Field Goals and read fieldgoals.com. We'll be back later in the week to talk about your playoff-bound Seattle Seahawks some more. Thanks for listening. Please be sure and subscribe, share, like, review the show if you like it, and enjoy this win. Go Seahawks. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.